Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back, everyone, to another amazing episode of Market Impact Insights. Earlier this year, we started our exploration of roles in the C-suite. We looked at the chief marketing officer role. Today, we're going to shift over to another very critical leadership role in the C-suite, and that's the chief financial officer. We're going to be talking with Kathy Yang from CNK, and uh, Kathy is everything you'd want uh, in a leader, smart, strategic, resilient. And we're going to explore her personal journey uh, through the world of finance to achieve that CFO role, her insights on what it takes to be a impactful leader from that role. And you're really going to find it interesting because Kathy has a very diverse background, uh, not only in terms of her personal journey, but also just in terms of the businesses that she has uh, worked in. You know, as a chief financial officer at CNK, she's leading the global finance team, handling everything from accounting, audit, tax, treasury reporting, and planning functions. She also oversees legal and compliance matters. Before joining CNK, and CNK, if you haven't heard about them, you've probably used a product that leverages CNK innovation and technology because since 1928, CNK has been at the forefront of uh, technology evolution in electromechanical switches. And these switches are used in everything from the automotive to industrial sectors, medical, consumer products. And this is what really blew me away. 55,000, that's right, 55,000 standard products and 8.5 million switch combinations. Wow. I want to talk to Kathy about how she keeps all of that straight. Um, so so a wide range of applications, uh, and it could be everything from fire alarms to boating applications, surgical devices, you name it, temperature adjustment. So that's what CNK is about. But before that, uh, Kathy also worked in other really interesting technology areas. Uh, she was uh, in a leadership role at Netcracker Technology. That's a subsidiary of NEC Corporation. That was a software platform uh, that uh, brought together integration and managed services to telecommunications and cable companies. And before that, uh, and where I first met Kathy was at Intermec Technologies, a Honeywell division offering hardware and software technology solutions and data connectivity and automation in the ruggedized mobile device space. And then prior to that, she was in uh, the petroleum industry. She worked for ConocoPhillips. So Kathy has done it all. And beyond that, I have to call this out. Kathy is a boilermaker, a proud boilermaker. Uh, she has her MBA from the Cranert School of Management at Purdue. And so with all of that, and this is a coast-to-coast -coast edition of Market Impact Insights because she's outside Boston. I'm in Seattle. Kathy, welcome to the uh, program today. Thank you, Dan. I'm thrilled to be here and be here with you. When you put it all together, wow, it's been an amazing journey for sure. So I, I want to start out and just kind of go back to the uh, beginning of uh, your career when you were making a decision as to, to what route you were going to go. And I'd love to know what originally influenced you to pursue a career in finance? <laughs> 
Sure. It was a uh, quite a trial and error um, journey and through a process of elimination, if you will. When I started off with my undergrad um, studies, I had tried a couple of different majors and neither of them worked out. And very quickly, I would say in the second, third year, I realized what I was not meant to be and landed on something that's more natural to me. So when I was in high school, I was really passionate about science and I was passionate about biology. And entering college, I was like, sure, I'm going to go studying agronomy. And this is our professor tells is art of agriculture. So essentially, it's science and technology of agriculture. Well, we, I had days and days of studying soil and I was growing potatoes, but they only came out to be in the size of grapes. And I drove tractors on college campus. But really, <laughs> I just realized that wasn't me. I don't have what it takes. So then I switched to biological statistics. And that didn't last long because I got really bored and lost with really, really complex formulas. And so at that point, someone in the family that I deeply trusted and really appreciate now suggested me to try to try the field of business and finance. So I started taking classes, accounting, finance in business school in my third year of college. And it just kept my going from there, voila. So looking back, what I'm really, really fortunate about is having the support network that I was able to try things out in a very safe and stress-free environment with my families and my friends. And I'm glad that I landed in finance and business. This is what I love doing. I'm around people. I work with numbers and I use the numbers in a very practical manner to help shape business and help people solve their problems. So there I am. What an interesting story. And thinking about it, going from analyzing soil, <laughs> analyzing these complex financial reports, right? It, yeah. It, it, yeah, yeah. What an amazing journey. And you've obviously had a very successful career. You've continued to take on bigger and bigger jobs across a number of the industries as we talked about at the open. And now you're, you're sitting in the C-suite. And you and I recently discussed that one of the things uh, that's been part of your journey is overcoming your own setting of a personal ceiling. Can you uh, talk a little bit more about that and any other challenges or key learnings you've gained along your professional career? Sure, sure. Um, I grew up in Taiwan and I came to the United States after undergraduate uh, degree was accomplished. When, and I, as you said, I went to Purdue and got my MBA and there were a couple of times when I started off, I worked in a very, very professional environment is large international corporations. And I was learning a lot on the job and I was surrounded by very smart, very successful leaders. But at that point, I had felt one thing was missing and it's diversity. Now, the company was very, very keen in driving diversity but I did not see any female at the executive table. And of course, no uh, Asian female because it was just not quite there yet. And it felt something was missing and I really did not know what I could become. And I didn't ever think that there would be a space for me to get there. 
I also grew up from a Chinese culture where mom and dad always told me to be very modest and modesty is really considered to be a virtue. So when I accomplish something with any achievements, I just being always thought that is what I should do. And that is nothing to be celebrated about. And it's just for sure. That's a, it's a given. Um, what I do know though, growing up is I was told and I love is continuing to learn, to be learning. And so I always learn about new skills, new knowledge. I always wanted to find out how things could be done differently or solved differently. I always wanted to look at things from a couple of different perspectives, but I never, never thought that my voice should or can be heard loudly. And that's, you know, what you would call personal ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there is this thing though, and I'm not easy to be um, towed to just stop. So there's always this little voice inside me say, why not? And it's just continued to be there. And that is a voice that kept me going with my journey. And I always believe that if I prepare myself and then I equip myself with the right tool in the toolbox and I have this open mindset and I'm ready when there's an opportunity for me. So this why not voice just keep me going, encourage me to keep trying and tell me to not settle. And that reminded me that I have to believe myself before anyone else would believe me. So today, I don't know that you, I would consider the ceiling is broken, but I am at a place where I'm having a lot of fun and I love what I do with people. I connect with them and I share my experiences along the way and I try to pay it forward and you know share with others who, who and let them know that they could see themselves in a, with a place to be in the future. I have a teenager boy and I have a second grade daughter. And if I were to tell them um, from my own experience, I would tell them to one, to not be their own broker. So they have to think the possible and they should try it. They should be putting themselves in the game, be brave and participate. And they should always give themselves another high bar and keep reaching, keep working towards and have hopes and dreams and ask for it. So when opportunity presents, raise the hand. And the only, the worst thing that can happen is someone tells them no, but at least they tried. Yeah, that, that's a really great philosophy and way to look at it. And when you, you were talking about the lack of role models, you know, when you were first um, dealing with some of these internal questions, and I was looking at uh, the latest Fortune 500 CFO index, Spencer Stewart yeah. uh, goes in and does that analysis. And just the demographics from a Fortune 500 perspective, uh, CFO, uh, you know, 12.5% were women, right? So re- still a relatively low growing number, relatively low number. But how does it feel now to be that now you're serving as that role model too for others? So so you've stepped in and, and you're contributing to really changing and creating a more diverse environment. And we want to see more. And I am very fortunate to have had these doors open for me along the way. And so it's not just me. And but I, I also think that we are getting to a place now and we're gonna see more of that. And I'm so happy for it. It's really about diversity. It's not just a single factor. There's all kinds of background. There's culture, there's gender. And the diversity only would help us to really reach a better and great results altogether. Absolutely. So let's talk about your experience with mentors and mentoring. 
what role has that played in your success? <laughs> um, a lot of people have helped me along the way. Um, I, I would say that um, whether it's at ConocoPhillips, Intermac, Nutcracker, and even today at CNK, I've had a lot of people really just help me in that. It's not really official a mentorship program like some companies do offer, but these are people who they were just very, uh, they're very generous. They offered their personal time. They invested in their efforts and sharing their experience with me. They um, sometimes they help me get to know where there may be opportunities or gaps that I'm following a path and they open the door for me. Sometimes they tell me of the things that they did so that they are successful or things they did and was mistakes and they, they had a failure and they continue to push me, challenge me to try different things, step out of my comfort zone and push the boundaries. So that's been great. And one example was when I was working at Anamab, I had, it was a long year, a lot of years, then it was 14 years at Anamab and many, many different positions in the first several years the positions are always around the corporate finance capacity. So consolidation reporting, management analysis, treasury, financial planning analysis. And I remember one day there was this one finance executive, which I have to admit he wasn't my favorite initially. And and, um, and he came to me, he said, I want you to work with me. I, I want to help you unlock your potential. And I was a little puzzled by that, but he, and I, but I was open to the idea and I was actually encouraged to, to try it out by other, other executives. So he just suggested me to, to push myself. And he said, you've had all these corporate finance responsibilities and roles that you really should try work within the business and very closely with the business and really see from their perspective. Mm -hmm. And that would gain me the operational um, in-depth understanding of the business to make it even bigger for me to be successful in the future. So it was a great opening. I worked with a fun team of channel sales guys and gals. I worked with some really, really driven and dedicated engineers. I worked with some denim marketing professionals, including yourself. Yes. And we had a huge team that worked on global ERP platform and they're cross-functional, cross-regional, and we have so fun. And it was so much of a fun and tremendous experience that really, to this day, shaped my trajectory. And I benefited so much from those years, really, and these days. I've always told myself, Kathy, I need to keep in mind so that I'm paying forward that I can. So I love mentoring people. Again, no official programs, but I just keep, you know, if somebody comes to me, I'm willing open to share with them my experiences, right or wrong, success or failure. But I, I do believe by sharing, we're shaping this next generation of leaders in the place where they're, they care about their jobs, they care about their career. And we're passing along what we've learned and it's good to see how they make it of their own and what they become out of that journey and to enrich their career. And this is also great for company. I think when a company and when the leadership team is dedicated, committed to really have this mentoring um, 
process, it helps a company to really build a trusting relationship with employees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're show, we're showing the employees of how we're driving the business, how we're pushing the boundaries, how we're creating values and opportunities, and how we're setting the bar high. And the employees get more engaged and motivated. And we also are able to really identify a pipeline of talent for succession planning, which you and I know it's a long, it's so much credited for the business to go a long way to be successful. So I love mentorship. Yeah, that, that is so true. And uh, a couple of things went through my mind as you were talking about those examples. One is, you know, we've all heard the saying, you know, sometimes help comes from the most unlikeliest of places. So it certainly sounds like that applied <laughs> in your case. And also and also the long-term uh, view, you know, of any successful business that endures, right? There are businesses that come and go, and then there are the enduring brands. And, you know, CNK, for example, uh, since 1928, right? So we're talking about almost a century. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so how, how does that happen? And that doesn't happen without each generation giving uh, to the next generation, right? And reinforcing exactly. the culture. And so just as you were describing it, it just repeats itself and builds um, on it. So uh, thanks for sharing that. And you know, as, as you were going on your, your journey and now you're in the CFO role, would love to get your perspective on how you see how the role of finance leadership and specifically the CFO, how has that evolved over the course of your career? How has it changed? Well, I would say this is only my first year of being CFO, but from what I have seen and learned from others and I've witnessed how the CFO journey has taken place is certainly evolving. Dan, it's um, so many new things are being added on to the CFO plate. So traditionally, CFOs are responsible for financial reporting and, you know, you name it, the traditional um, roles that we have. But today, CFO organizations are picking up HR, IT, legal, procurement, and investor relations. And it just keep going. And I think CFOs as a sort of a um, change agent role in the company. So a lot of times we're really working with cross-functional team, cross-regional team in the whole company. And this requires so much of the CFO to be leading the company, to be the change agent, to drive the transformation. And it takes a lot of soft skills from the CFO leadership, not just the technical skills of the numbers. And so this is what I am passionate about. Um, CFOs are also expected to really lead and drive the strategies to create values. And so these are the long-term performance rather than the short-term results. And this really means that what we get to do is we get to see the numbers and we're able to utilize that to define and tell the story of value creation for the company, in the company for the long run. And this I consider to be a CFO as the value architect. Um, we get to be part of the digital journey and that not only that, for example, at CNK, we have a CTO who is really driving the digital journey throughout the company, both CFO and the finance organization is along with the ride. We're looking at so much of the process automation, business analytics. We're even looking into robotics learning mm-hmm. or technology evaluation of our practice, really. Um, Last but not least, I do see CFO being this very critical role of continuing to 
really attract, retain, nurture, and foster our talents and drive them to continue to grow for companies' long-term success. This could evolve, involve job rotations. This may be assign people on different special projects on top of their, their day-to-day job. And this will also involve training. Um, it is, and it also will be, I love doing, just sharing what finance is about with the non-finance folks within the business because then they get to know what we are, how we're looking at things. And I get mm-hmm. to learn how they may be uh, utilizing what we're providing them to be a decision-making uh, tool. Speaking of those other functions in the business, and since I'm a marketer, I, I'm going to focus a little bit on that. Being a CFO definitely involves a lot of collaboration across the business. What's your view on the importance of finance and marketing? We'll take that as an example. Finance and marketing, collaborating, and are there some examples uh, that have really made a difference for you? Yeah. Well, you and I, I think when we first started at Enermark, it's a, uh, the traditional thing that we would talk about is cost management, right? Is finance come to you, say, we have a budget and you have to meet and come in this budget. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I remember. (laughs) (laughs) It's a, um, and that's usually what people expect. So they expect finance bring numbers to them. And for sure, that's a, the, the, the most traditional model. Now, my approach is slightly different. I, I think collaboration cross-functionally is so key because the different functions can work together to really drive results together. Um, my approach oftentimes is my first meeting, I go to my contact and my, you know, we, we sit down, we talk, and I would listen first. And some people, and I would ask what's their problem that they're facing, how can finance help? Some people are taken back by that questions because they totally expect me in my first meeting to come with Excel spreadsheet of numbers after numbers, but nothing but numbers. Um, what I have enjoyed working with marketing these days and even involved going back to interface are besides the cost management, we can do so much with competitive analysis. We did all the benchmark studies because marketers have access to those t- data and finance doesn't usually have that. And that's so important to evaluate where we are compared with to our competitors or our peers and or even what's the customer looking. I personally also enjoy coming from a marketer's perspective where you help me put my content, my presentation to be more fun, more appealing visually so that it connects with the audience. That's what you guys do best. So throughout the collaboration, we build a very trusting relationship where it's not one way street, it's really two way bridge that we're helping each other and we're really making the business to be better in the long run. Um, And these days with marketing function also being in the cutting edge digital leader space from social media to lead conversions and those things are fun. I love being in the position where I get to work with the marketing professionals to identify how we could use technology and use the digitization to help us for business. Yeah, so much uh, on the marketing side is, you know, we hear this term uh, data-driven decision-making and, you know, it's certainly been um, 
you know, my, my perspective is um, that we need to get better uh, on the marketing side, continue to get better at, at really being able to quantify and really help, um, you know, improve the level of decision making through data and analytics. And one of the things I always appreciated about you, Kathy, was you just always asked really good questions. So beyond the the walk of shame, if we're if coming in to talk about a budget, you know, oh, overspend maybe, <laughs> occasional overspend. But the reality is you ask really good questions that force the perspective back on um do you know that you're focusing the team on doing the things that are going to move the needle the most, right? It's not Mm -hmm. an activity-based thing where we're just, hey, we're feeling good because we're checking a lot of boxes because we feel like we're busy. But actually, are we being intentional about doing the things that have the greatest impact, right? And supporting the business objectives. So I felt like you really brought that uh, and, and it was a good forcing function, you know, in terms of that relationship. So really appreciated that. Thank you. Yeah. So let's talk uh, a little bit about people uh, inside of um, organizations. Um, We we can talk about process. We can talk about the numbers. But you and I both know that at the end of the day, success of business uh, will come back to people. And we are all in the midst of great change. Our current times, it's crazy. It's unprecedented. And I'm really curious to know what has made the difference for you as a very visible leader in continuing to inspire and motivate your teams through all of this stress and uncertainty, uh, what are some of the key priorities that you also have, you know, having gone through this as, as we move into 2021 to kind of help steer the ship of your finance organization, right? And, and keep it moving in a productive mm-hmm. direction. Yeah, it definitely has been a roller coaster year with the pandemics, and um, it's it's crazy how we've gone through a full year and more in that situation. Um, what I had initially um, very early on in the pandemics, what we've gone into very quickly, is stressing on the value importance of over communication. So. As CNK, we are a global company. We have operations in Europe, Asia, and Americas, and the leadership team is also very spread out across the globe. Um, very fortunately, we were already operating as a global model. So this going from in-person meetings to working remotely and collaborating remotely wasn't a big hurdle for us, and we didn't have much of a disruption. What we told ourselves initially is not that we're all sitting remote. What we need to focus on is we need to make a commitment to be over-communicating. And that's the same thing that I did with the finance group is we established some really regular check-ins. And we also, I tried to take additional time to explain to my teams of why we're doing certain things. Because oftentimes we get so sucked into the day-to-day job and really keeping the eye on the objective, keeping an eye on what matters coming out of this is so important so that I feel my teams need that perspective to be able to prioritize and to be able to focus. So that's one thing we, we did do. Now that as we look into where part of 2021, things are looking a little better in the Americas, um, Asia continue to be very strong. Europe is gradually coming out of this pandemic, pandemics what we're trying to do is to really making sure that not only that we're focusing on the traditional deliverables and the really operational projects, 
we're focusing on accelerate the digital um, journey as well. So for finance, for, for example, what we're trying to do is we're really trying to transform some of the transactional processes from a from an operational day-to-day job to more of decision support based approach. And we will free up people or capacity or resources by using some of the D tools. And so that we don't do as much manual work. And we try to invest in the application so that we implement and adopt these tools and we free up capacity to drive what's the most important, which is analytics to support decision making. Um, And also we're very keen in terms of focusing on developing our people and retain and hire. And it's all important as we keep our eyes on the journey of getting people who are open to doing things differently and to prepare our entire workforce within finance organization to embrace the technology we're introducing and to try doing things, you know, differently so that we get to, we have the same amount of time where we're going to do more of what matters the most. Yeah. What I love about that, Kathy, is that there's a proactive plan. You know, you're looking ahead, but you're, you're trying to get out ahead and, and do it in a, in a much more proactive way, as opposed to just, Hey, we're going to do this by the seat of our pants and just kind of see how it goes. Right. But there's an intentional, uh, thoughtful plan around it. Yeah. 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 So, so all of these challenges and unknowns that we're talking about in this crazy last year, despite all that, what makes you optimistic about the future? Um, I do think that the digitalization has been a thing throughout this conversation. And with the pandemics, it really truly, I felt the the digital growth and the digital transformation was accelerated throughout many, many different industries. And it's a global thing. Um, so really, I think what's really so powerful coming up is really to find a way continuing to do this with the digital tools, with the digital thinking, and to be able to really communicate and collaborate effectively with perhaps not as much travel as we did in the past. I think I do value the in-person meetings. I do think that travel is necessary. And I do miss travels a lot, quite honestly, but I, I am looking forward to coming out of this with a balanced approach where there's some travel involved, but perhaps not as yeah. crazy as before. And mm-hmm. we get to reinvest some of those travel time or even commute time and international flight time to use those time productively in having meaningful conversations remotely with the digital tool. Yeah, yeah. So Kathy, you're ready to jump back in, get into those security lines, get get <laughs> to the, get on the planes, right? And uh, and, and get rolling again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't know about the security lines, but I'm I'm ready to travel. <laughs> all right, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think all of us are will be um, very much um, looking forward to being able to have that flexibility and that freedom again. So, as we wind up our conversation here, Kathy, do you have any other final advice for business leaders that are seeking long term sustainable growth? So, from what I have experienced. And going through my career journey, the number one thing that I think is most valuable is employee engagement and talent development. 
it is such a employees are our number one asset within the company, and when we do it right, it goes a long way. And also, I would stress on the customer and opportunity focused um, customers being customer facing, being customer central, providing service and products to our customer. It's so important that we don't lose view and eyes of what is really going to make the company successful is I want to see all of our switches and our products go out there and be utilized into some great, great solutions to help the economy and help everyone. Um, and continue to drive operational efficiencies, right? So as a CFO, it would not be right for me to not continue to look into those KPIs, operational efficiencies, and really to utilize that to drive value. Um, and then coming from, from my perspective, finance is in a very fortunate um, position to really provide the analytics so that the business can make proactive and sound decision. Um, I also think it's important to, to for the companies to continue to have very inclusive and diverse leadership team. And I'm very fortunate that at CMK, that's what we have is a very inclusive and very diverse um, executive team that we work and we have a lot of fun doing things together. Um, and digitize, I think it's a it's a journey that's like we said earlier has been accelerated and is going to be a fun ride and it will be so much possibility that can be unpacked as we continue to drive digitalization. Well, Kathy, thanks again for being such a strong and effective advocate for diversity and equity in the C-suite and for sharing your wisdom about your personal journey, as well as really just reminding all of us what a great future lies ahead and how we all can uh, collaborate effectively with finance and work with tremendous CFOs like yourself. So thanks again for joining Market Impact Insights. Thank you, Dan. So fun to be here. And a reminder to all of you to please give us the gift of feedback. Make sure to go out and rate and review. You can easily do that out on Apple Podcast. And as always, make sure to check out marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.